Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're welcoming you to another episode of the AMP. Because the My Hero Academia anime continues to be productive and amazing, I should say. Yeah, it really is. This season, man, I mean, we we talked about it like hitting the ground running and continuing, and it sure did. Uh, this is definitely not a season to disappoint. No, this has been... I think there's an argument to be made that it's one of the best illustrated seasons so far. Um, and there has been little to no, like, what I would qualify as downtime in this season at all, because it just started with a fight and the fight continues. You know, one of the things I've been wondering about, Adam, and maybe this maybe this is an interesting uh, question to ask you. So it, it already feels right now in season six, knowing that we've got the manga is still cranking out chapters, even though supposedly it's in its its own end games. Um, but I'm like, OK, so Shigaraki is is fully powered up and all of the heroes are involved in this fight. How is this not the climactic end of this thing? Like, where, how does this stop and where does it go from here? Like, th- those are like questions. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, this feels like, uh, you know, f- the, the Thanos fight. You know what I mean? Like, it, it yeah. feels that large. It feels like everything has come together. I don't know how you could escalate past all of the heroes versus the one strongest villain now, you know? And I'm telling you, the the way they do it, well, I say they, it's Horikoshi. The way Horikoshi does it is that he replaces Shigaraki with All for One. Like, I I know that All for One's locked up, but we've agreed that he's not staying in Tartarus. There's no way that he doesn't try to escape or try to get out. The only way they can up the ante on this one is by reintroducing him and making him powerful again. Like, I'm just convinced of that now, because I had that same thought, like... This episode, I think it's 118, uh, that we'll, we'll get into it. With the way that it ends, it's like they've just displayed how powerful Shigaraki is. There's nothing out there that's going to be able to touch him. And I just don't know how they up the ante from here. Because it's like you said, this feels like Endgame. Like, how do they... How is there a next something? How is there another arc? That only only thing I can think of is that either it, we're just going to be in for fighting for the next however many more seasons and the manga readers are in for fighting for however long. And it's just this, but I just can't imagine that being the case or they do something wild with all for one. Uh, and maybe even all, uh, you know, one for all, like somehow maybe the power gets stolen. I don't know. They've got to do something though. That's going to cause this to keep going. Do you think we're get like a weird time jump? Like we're going to have some big thing happen in this season and then it's going to cast us into the future by a couple of years of some kind. And that's where things pick up and keep going. It's possible. Um, Isn't that what, uh, uh, oh gosh, attack on Titan did. And like a handful, like Naruto kind of did that with uh Shippuden, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's room for that. Um, but then like what, how do you explain that gap of inactivity? Because this is this is it, it is what it seems like. Although I will say, it I will does. qualify something that you actually commented on or, or theorized in our last episode that All for One is like somehow inside of Shigaraki. I think that there is a lot of evidence for that in these Dude, episodes. Yes. I agree. And that means that the thing that you say is going to be the thing that extends this on is kind of already also happened. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah. like, what? Where? I, I have no idea where, how this, how the current battles at uh, the Gunga Villa and at uh, Jaku Hospital, how those things resolve and anything else take place that doesn't, that isn't just this again somehow. Um, 
it feels like what's got to happen to me is that, like, like I said, all for one comes back, or sh- maybe he doesn't. Maybe Shiggy really does win this fight, and then there's like this downtime, quote unquote, or a time jump where the villains rule, the world falls into chaos, and it's just all of the wh- whoever is considered a good guy at this point, like corralling underground. You know, maybe we get a season of that, or maybe we get a season of them picking up with like, hey, these are the plans. We have enough people to go and execute this you know this whole thing we've been working towards but again it's just the same thing like we saw all of that happen so i don't know man that's a good question i will i think one of the only things that's really like obviously this isn't the end besides the fact that the manga has a lot of chapters beyond where we're reading um so tonight we're covering chapters 271 through page 13 of 276 if you read beyond that, I think you're starting to get into spoiler territory a little bit. And there is a little bit at the beginning of 276 that we haven't seen animated yet, but it's not oh. not super spoilery. It's like news alert kind of things. Gotcha. Um, but the the other larger red flag uh, to to that end to say that this can't be the end is that Midoriya literally has a number attached to him and it's not 100 percent yet. Um, so yeah. he's like running <laughs> yeah. around and they're like, he's up to 45 percent. It would seem lame if they were like, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> you know? Um, and it, well, and okay, we've seen that, that same... Shigaraki also had some sort of number attached to him. And so I don't, you know, maybe there's some growth uh, yet to come in him on some front as well. With that same, like, thought process, though, like, we've not seen anything past Super Saiyan 3, really. Are you expecting, like, a Super Saiyan 100? No, wait, what, are we talking about Dragon Ball or My Hero? <laughs> well, now, we we're talking about Dragon Ball now, which I think is ultimately what we always end up talking about. But I'm just thinking, like, from that, that thought process of, like, maybe they do end it at, like, 45% because maybe he doesn't get there. I mean, that would be kind of an interesting take, right? Like, at least it would be different. There isn't 100% from Adoria. That would be kind of interesting. Well, the so the difference between Super Saiyan and what Midoriya has with well, the I mean, there's a lot of differences there, but like, <laughs> like that I'm was talking just example. about the number, the number <laughs> side of things that the super Saiyan system was, um, a succession of numbers. We don't know where it could have ended. We just That's knew fair. that there could have been a next one for 45. That implies out of a hundred. Um, and so there is this expectation that he, sh- he could get there eventually. Um, and so, and it's been, just it's been in the a central point of one of the movies or maybe arguably two of the movies, you know, um, and the overhaul arc that maybe he was tapping into a bunch of it then. And so I think that he's he's still got growth to do. Um, so Bakugo being like, yeah, he's at 30 percent and can kick it up to 45 so he doesn't hurt himself. I'm like, yeah, so he's going to like there's at some point he's going to be capable of more. And it it would be frustrating to me if he was just suddenly able to hit 80% in this particular fight. You know what I mean? Like that would feel like too much too quickly. That wouldn't feel too, uh, out of character for him though. I mean, he, we just found out like eight episodes ago that he has this other quirk and he seems to have mastered it. Well, it's, it's less about his character when it comes to that percentage than it is his body's ability to like, to, to withstand withstand that power. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause we, I mean, we've seen him literally breaking in the beginning to, just now barely being able to really control 30%, 45 at impact, you know? So yeah, yeah that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah, he's, I, he's got 30% on lock. That's like his, that's kind of like, the, to use Dragon Ball parallels, it's like Goku and Gohan coming out of the hyperbolic time chambered with that mastered Super Saiyan where they were just like, 
living and chilling all the time is Super Saiyan. Totally. Um, I think that that's close to what Midoriya's got. It's not like he keeps that 30% on, but he can turn it on, live there for long periods of time, not experience uh, trauma to his body. Um, And then, you know, even just that extra 15% um, puts him right on the limit of, of what he's capable of withstanding now. And I I don't even know, like, does his body progressively acclimate uh, to a point where he can have that 100%? If so, is it tied to some of the vestiges and some of the quirks that are within one for uh, one for all? Like, there's lots of questions still. This can't be the end for for reasons like that. But exactly. But narratively, as far as like what is taking place on on the screen, it feels like this could have been the end, you know, for it being the big battle where you've got the two, you know, the the major villain, the major hero on the field, both of them, you know, at new heights and it being all of the heroes in Japan fighting this, you know, in this one spot, you know, basically. Definitely. I mean, it's wild. it feels like the crescendo to that peak of the story. Like we are about to be, you know, at the highest point of this story and slowly or soon, you know, I expect us to be kind of heading towards that wrap up, but it doesn't seem like we are. We got plenty of content out there. I mean, as far as the, if the manga is any indication, at least we, we should have at least what three more seasons. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not good with the numbers. I have no idea, but yeah, this I mean, I pulled that out of my butt. I'm sure people in discord will correct me. So that's fine. <laughs> uh, they'll, 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 they probably know that exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Like no way this ends soon. I just don't know how we're going to have that much more to go through. Yeah. Well, let's jump into 118 and 119. Um, interestingly enough, uh, 118 is also the number of this episode of the AMP. Whoa. So that's going to seem a little confusing a little bit, but uh, episode 118 of the My Hero Academia anime is called The Thrill of Destruction. Yeah, we uh, we open basically with like a recap of the end of the last episode with uh, Mirko breaking Shigaraki's capsule open. She gets slammed into Endeavor. Present Mike's grabbed the doctor. He's running down that hallway and Shigaraki has fallen out of that capsule and is just laying there with Exilus. Uh, we kind of get this quick flash over to HQ where they have basically announced that the evacuation of all of the patients and the employees of the hospital is complete and successful. At the moment, all of the Nomu on the uh, ground basically are being taken care of. So the high-end Nomu's underground are the only ones that are currently a threat um and you know it's uh pretty much exactly what we expected like i think we actually see some gaps filled in based off of what i saw and was interpreting and what you said was in the manga uh last episode our episode uh because at the opening of this we see exilus see a random machine that's still on and for some idiotic reason he's like oh i guess i'll just blow this up yeah so he does which makes no sense so okay. i i couldn't tell I think that that was new to this episode. I don't remember him blasting a machine. It wasn't in the last episode. Yeah, it's in the but, manga. Like that, but it's he in says, the manga. What's yeah. up with that? What's up that, that with that machine? I'm just going to blow it up just in case. And that makes it seem like he may have inadvertently caused that wire to then be the spark that uh, brings Shigaraki to life. So all of this is really Exilus's fault, really. Uh, Well, yes, and I think that's partially why when he dies, I don't care. Like, (laughs) (laughs) well, first off, okay, he this poor guy was left with Shigaraki by present Mike, which is understandable. Like, I get why he did it. But then when Shigaraki wakes up, Exilus does nothing. He's like a deer in headlights. He has a solid, like, probably minute to do whatever he could have blasted Shigaraki in the head or tried but no that is not what happens regardless though I think this does fill in that gap that that you had mentioned uh just where they finally did show that this was not some sort of spiritual awakening like 
Shigaraki's brain didn't just wake up. It was definitely a spark that was, you know, caused by this machine that Exilus blew up. Um, I thought it was interesting that, like, when Shigaraki woke up, his first words are just, it's cold. Like, I don't know. I don't know why that stood out to me, but that did. Um, uh, regardless, though, we, we transition back over to Crust, who is fighting off a bunch of high ends, and Aizawa is doing everything he can to keep the two in front of him in check. And he's just kind of hoping that Endeavor will lure the woman Nomu over their way, because he cannot take his eyes off of the two in front of him without everyone else around him getting really seriously injured at this point. Uh, Endeavor is standing there trying to protect Mirko, and somehow Mirko is standing. Like, oh my God, is she just badass? She is so strong. It blows my mind. Uh, but the woman Nomu is just like absolutely giving them hell. I mean, she's running at them. She's trying to take them out. Endeavor is shooting those, uh, what does he call them? Hell spiders at, at mm-hmm. her and totally missing. Um, so she's about to just take them out when Gran Torino comes out of nowhere. And Gran Torino even is like putting holes in woman Nomu's brains. Like he is hitting her so hard in the brain that it is just dissipating and then immediately regenerating. It is nuts. I loved that Mirko stands up behind Endeavor in the state that she was in and asks, do you want me to take a kick? It's, it yeah. reminded me of uh, Steve Rogers from the first Captain America, you know, where he's like, <laughs> I can do this all day. I was like, Mirko can do this all day. Exactly. Um, yeah, GT <laughs> uh, jumps in, smacks woman's brain, but, you know, uh, doesn't even really disable her uh, very much, if at all. Um, but they are, uh, he is flanked, rather, uh, Gran Torino is, by a bunch of enforcements, reinforcements that include Rocklock, Backdraft, for okay um and then ryukyu and 13 <laughs> um aizawa sends them to help endeavor and i just have in my notes backdraft splashes woman i guess like <laughs> he just yeah, like he's <laughs> just like sprays her with some water and it doesn't even look concussive um but to Rock be fair Lock, like isn't his arms like fire hydrant hoses or fire hoses uh, maybe kind you know, of like I, I i'm just hoping that in that moment he at least turned on some high pressure or something because i had the same thought like why is he showering this no move but it wasn't <laughs> if it was concussive or or meant to even you know mo- budge her a little bit it was not animated that way no it wasn't um but rock block uses deadbolt on the floor to lock her feet in place gran torino gets another brain kick in um endeavor flash fire fist jet burns her head into just smoke which was cool um, present Mike comes running in with Garaki and Aizawa. There's just this nod of appreciation between the two of them. Not, not for any immediate utility as Mike had planned. Remember he grabbed Garaki and was like, you're going to go and tell these nomus to stop. And that's, that's not what the nod was there for. It was there as a part of their grudge. Uh, and, and that, that was so good. In fact, I, I want to officially take back what I said about what Mike might have done in the last episode. I don't think Mike I no longer think upon second thought that Mike would have set Garaki gently down and, and screamed into his ear because that would have taken something away from Aizawa. And that's not like Mike. Mike is in this with Aizawa against oh, yeah. this particular man and for very specific reasons. So uh, I, I, I rescind that particular statement. Mike gets the nod from Aizawa because Aizawa's like, we got him. We got yeah. that guy. Um, and I, I love that, that little thought. nod. I did too. It was just moment of like, like, like we we're gonna we're gonna you know kind of recoup what we can for uh for Shirakumo, you know, like just this like we're we're gonna save his soul. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, cut, I love that. We cut back to Shigar- uh, Shigaraki. Exlus does eventually try to get a shot off, but he just gets dusted instead, Ugh, like immediately. And, <laughs> yeah. and then Shigaraki takes his cape. <laughs> yeah, because he's cold. 
like that. I mean, because he's cold, he chooses not to dust Exless's cape because he's cold. Like you, you said it. That's the first things out of his mouth. He's like, yep. he, that guy's got a cape that might help keep me warm. And so he just decides to take it for himself. It was also a subtle nod, though, to how controlled he is over his powers now, because right. beforehand he wouldn't have been able to have just done that. He would have ruined everything. But now he has full control over what he is destroying, even the things that it's touching. Like he destroyed Exilus, but didn't destroy the cape. And later we'll see he destroyed this whole city, but didn't destroy any of the Nomus. And yeah. it has got the heroes flipping I, out. I wonder, I don't, is this the point where he realizes that? Because I think the way that his quirk would have worked earlier was, be, I think he grabs um Exless's face doesn't he yeah um which he puts his hand over the Exless. eye yeah right but that w- like old uh, og shigaraki that wouldn't have necessarily dusted his cape i thought it would have but i do like, think I... he he does grab the cape with five fingers here um and he yeah. does talk about his control a little bit later on but i wasn't sure if if this was the moment where he had that realization because he doesn't vocalize it here he just takes the cape and and i think in the animation he does grab it with his with his hand um, well, it's but, it's later in this episode when he's like tying the cape truly as a cape, not just like a blanket. Mm-hmm. And he says something like, it's so nice being able to use whatever the name of his quirk is the way I want to. Yeah. And so decay. that was, I think that was, yeah, decay. I think that was when things clicked of like, oh yeah, I didn't destroy this cape. Like I yeah. can control this. You know what I mean? Because he's, he's slowly sort of waking up from this weird trance that he's been in. But I had a note here for this whole scene that like if it was literally any other hero, they would have killed Shigaraki the moment his eyes opened up. There oh, yeah. would have been nothing else. I also felt bad for Exilus because it really felt like he was a MacGuffin to give Shigaraki a cape. Like that was the <laughs> only reason he existed. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, it is, it's silly to reduce it down to just the cape. I do think that the the story benefits from Shigaraki coming out of the tube and immediately killing somebody. Oh, of course. Like, it that only communicates something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we transition over to Tokoyami, who last time we saw him, he was trapped inside of fat gum. And I know that sounds gross, but it's true. He was, was in a fat taxi. Yeah. Which you didn't like. I was so, nope. I'm still like bummed that you didn't like fat taxi. I think still it's so uncomfortable funny. with the whole concept. But <laughs> um, I will say that I think you were right because Tokoyami does seem to communicate that he saw Hawk's exit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I didn't think that he had. So. uh, Apologies to you. Man, I've got it recorded. I'm never going to let you down. (laughs) You will. I'm editing, so you might not hear it ever again. Oh, that's true. Crap. (laughs) Well, he does break out of Fat Taxi to go help Hawks, and uh, Fat Gum himself is actually kind of shocked because he says something like, Tokuyami is really strong, and I knew that, but nobody has escaped my fat before. Uh, So I thought that was a pretty cool nod to just how strong Tokuyami can be when he's determined. But we, we catch up with Dobby, who is about to absolutely toast Hawks, and right as he is about to just ignite the, the backside of, of, of uh, Hawks himself, Tokoyami comes flying in, saves him. Dark Shadow has got his back. He's, you know, kind of hunched over Hawks, and he tells uh, Fumikagi, is that his name, Fumikagi? Yeah. Yeah, I think that I felt right. weird when it came out. I knew it <laughs> off the top of my mind. Wow. He tells Fumikagi, like, hey, this is really bad. Like, his back is totally burned up. And there's a quick flashback where uh, Hawks is telling Tokoyami, like, yeah, you know, the, the um, tough feathers. What the hell is this quirk called? Oh, my gosh. Oh, f- I don't remember. Whatever. Um, whatever his, his quirk the is called. The feathers catch on fire. The, yeah, they, they can be burned away. As feathers are wont to do. Right. And I'm curious, do you think that means that, like, if the 
I'm going to call them nubs of his wings burned that the feathers can't grow back like his his quirk would could be done for. Mm, I wouldn't take it that far. Um, but I do think like in the anime, Dark Shadow says his back is in bad shape in the manga. His words are his back is gone, which yeah. is that is a very different statement. Hawks's quirk, by the way, is called Fierce Wings. I looked it up Fierce really quickly. Wings, thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he could potentially grow them back, maybe. Um, but it, it, I, I have honestly have no idea of the anatomy of one quirk talks. So Fair enough, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> don't know. Uh, but I do love what Dobby says here. He uh, looks at Tokuyami and he's like, you're from UA. And then he Dobby turns to Hawks and he says, you're a loser for dragging students into this. And yeah, I love he, that. And then Dobby. So Dobby is just insulted a man who is down then he turns to Tokoyami and he says, look at this kid. And he points back at Twice's bloody body, which we see graphically again. And Dobby says, Hawks killed him. He stabbed him in the back while he was running to save his friends. And now you came to save him. And that is such a, that is really well worded on Dobby's part to accomplish oh, what he's trying to accomplish. Like it's, it's dirty play, but it's, it's very well written. Um, Whoa, yeah. And he, I mean, he's just placing doubt in Tokuyami's mind. Yes. Not only is it dirty play, it's so manipulative, but he follows that up with even more manipulation because, you know, he says, you know, did you come to save him? Did you come to save? Like, what, what are you here for? And we see, like, Mountain Lady in the background wrecking everything, and then he follows up with, those pros you admire so much play dirtier than me. And he's creating this like false narrative for Tokoyami yep. where he's showing him this really horrible, tragic thing in the moment. It would be so easy to be like, oh, holy cow, I'm, I'm on the wrong side. Like, yeah, we've been planning this whole thing behind their backs. Like, it looks bad. And it's this thing like manipulative people do. They will create these fake environments for, for others around them, like saying something along the lines of like, well, I have no reason to lie. And then immediately lying. It's exactly what Dobby's doing here. Like Dobby knows he's just trying to get these kids on his side. And it's, man, that was a dark scene. I was like, geez, this is rough. Dobby goes to throw a blast in their directions, but Tokoyami does manage to dodge it. Um, and But he has a similar handicap in tight spaces as Hawks does. Plus Dark Shadow's weakness to light, which is, you know, generated along with fire, flames fire, um, yeah. so he realizes that he needs to bolt out of there fast um hawks explains to him very quietly um because hawks is in really bad shape too for obvious reasons that dobby is talking so much to stall for time and he realizes that his last couple of blasts have been weaker than the first ones and he thinks that that's because he can't fire um hit powerful blasts in very quick succession um, so Dobby, <laughs> Dobby asks the pair of barbecued birds, uh, <laughs> which I just have in my notes. That's a sick burn. Jeez, um, I don't like it. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Even I don't like that. Yeah. One. <laughs> who, who really needs rescuing. And, uh, he's like, this is my chance. So he sends dark shadow at Dobby leaps over the balcony. Dark shadow grabs a ledge to swing them down a floor or two, but the flames prove a little bit too much for him. So they end up falling down, uh, landing on top of Hawks, knocking him out. So Tokoyami quickly calls for Dark Angel. Um, Dobby descends from above, explaining that he'd actually reserved power by using the two weaker blasts um, for just such a time as this, basically. Um, but he is his attack now on Tokoyami is interrupted by ice, but not from Toko, uh, Todoroki, who's part of the rear guard. Um, instead, we've learned that this is from Geton. I think we had already seen this in a previous episode, but it sends yeah. Dobby falling, Mount Lady flying, and uh, she like eclipses fat gum. 
um, in the air as she's flying backwards, uh, and he just looks up and sees her giant rear end. And in the uh, in the anime, he yells a bottom, and he runs in a different direction. Uh, in the manga, um, it's it, it's he says something like uh, he yells something about a booty. It was much better in the uh, <laughs> uh, in the manga. It's funnier. I don't know why they had to s- somewhat censor. Uh, booty down to bottom but anyway yeah, that's but interesting. he looks up he shouts bottom and he hauls wait for it ass in the <laughs> other direction to avoid getting sat on by her which incidentally is Minetta's dream but it's not that kind of anime <laughs> not yet anyways there's still time <laughs> we we uh, transition over to seeing Getten like up on top of his ice throne basically telling all of the other villains like hey you morons how about you actually try a concentrated effort fight together and open up a hole like we're pushing them back why are you fighting randomly it's what they want and uh, in the midst of all of this we see like gang orca taking out a handful of people I think even Kamui Woods is in there mm-hmm. but they're totally right like Getten is, is up on this you know high point looking down just like oh my god what a bunch of idiots like I can only imagine the the feelings he's having right now as a, a supposed lieutenant so tokiyami is flying off we see him he's kind of like, like tears welling up in his eyes and he's just saying you know that he believes in hawks and he's going on about how everyone else believes in him that he doesn't play dirty and i actually want to mention uh, earlier whenever dobby was kind of telling him all of these very manipulative things he had a response that I really loved because he, he just says, I'm only concerned for my teacher. It's right. like, it's like, dude, I don't care about the good or the bad. What I'm seeing is someone I love that's really injured and hurt. You're going to kill them. I got to get them out of here. Like, all things aside, it's kind of what Twice said. Like, t- at this moment, Tokoyami is just a guy trying to help his friend. And I, I really like that. I do think that there's a little bit of room to read Tokoyami's um, thoughts here where he's like, I believe in you. We believe in you. What you did was right as possibly positive delusional self-talk. Oh, where absolutely. He's, he really is like, man, if Hawks did what Dobby said that he did, um, or he's starting to have a, uh, a conversation with himself about our, do that, that colloquial, uh, that, you know, cliche, do the means justify the ends. Right. Um, and I think that there's, I don't know. I, I want to believe that Tokoyami really does believe um, in Hawks, the way that he speaks, he believe uh, that belief. But I do think that there's just enough room uh, to to see real turmoil over uh, the what what he uh, what he heard about Dobby versus what he believes or knows about Hawks. There, I agree. I definitely think, especially with the way that he's tearing up, it's not just that like the guy that trained him is potentially dying. It's that he's dying, and he'll never get to, he he may never get to know like. Is he going to wake up? Can I have this conversation with him about what happened? Is Dobby right? Will I never get to find out? Like, it's just a, a rough place to be, by, by all means. So uh, we cut to Redestro, who's calling for his replacement prosthetics while a bunch of the villains <laughs> just kind of mill about underground. Like, yeah. nobody in underground seems to be uh, making... Doing things? Yeah. They're just like, like I guess we'll just stand here for a while. Yeah. The, the funniest thing about this to me, when he's, like, calling for his spare legs, I just imagined Rocket Raccoon running around in the background, like, with, with a bear. <laughs> we just put him down right here. Yeah. Um, someone points out, though, that Machia is standing, and Gigantomachia says, I smell my master, he's awake, which... I mean, the dude must have a, an incredible sense of smell, because they're in the... They're not only... Uh, 80 kilometers away, but also sealed underground. Yeah. <laughs> and he still manages to... It might be hyperbolic, but uh, he says, I smell my master, he's awake. But we cut to Burden supervising the evacuation near the hospital. Um, and they're, they're 
they're being real good heroes here because she's like, tell us if anyone has any limited mobility. We want to prioritize those heroes that can give rides of one sort or another. I really liked that. Or And she even says, or if you can't get in touch with them, um, which is her saying, you know, if you don't know where somebody is, we've got folks that are good at recon and we will send them out to do that. It's just really well organized um, and very conscientious of her in the midst of crisis. So Bakugo <laughs> yells that the police vans will escort them out of the city and he gets offered this little chocolate treat from a sweet old lady and just repays her by yelling that it will make him thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have a joke in my in my notes that just says, if you give Bakugo a chocolate bun, you know, like that. Uh, <laughs> like if you give a mouse a cookie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That. Um, Ochako chastises him and he just blames her for wanting it for himself or for herself uh, as as if he would share anyway. <laughs> like right? if he took yeah. it, Ochako would get none of it. Full stop. Uh, Sue points out uh, how this is just always how Bakugo is, even to sweet old ladies. Uh, Ida is dealing with somebody begging him to make sure his manuscript strip isn't destroyed, which speaks to how clueless some people can be in the midst of an emergency or a crisis. Right. The dude is still stuck in like mundane, uh, I have a nine to five job mind, um, even though the city is, you know, On in fire. absolute turmoil. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get a cool shot of Coda escorting a herd of pets. And receiving a report from a pigeon uh, that the fifth ward is evacuated, Nigeria and just a jet-headed man report the same for their area. I had uh, that in my notes, too. There's just some dude with an airplane head. Yep. He's, <laughs> he's in good company. Him and uh, Thomas the Tank uh, head dude uh, sit around and have drinks on Wednesday nights. They must uh, steam themselves or something. Yeah. Ida wants to make one more pass um, of the retirement nursing homes before giving the all clear, which makes sense because, you know, sometimes those people can't hear. Um Deku's calming instructions, though, are interrupted by a voice saying, he's coming. Yeah, and Midoriya just, like, dead stops in the middle of the street, and he starts to listen, and he hears who is the first wielder of One for All, and he even, like, kind of has an internal thought of, wow, he's never interfered since then, and it's like, dot, dot, dot. And we hear that voice going on and on about how he doesn't have long to talk and this backlash is coming. And he says, freed from the shackles of humanity with an increase in power, someone transcended is coming, stop him. And it cuts there. We pan right over to Shigaraki and like just these, all these events that are unfolding at the hospital with the Nomu fights, Shigaraki laying there having just killed Exilus. And I mean, it's nuts because Shigaraki like puts his hands down and just starts to destroy. And that destruction catches up to present Mike. The doctor is like flying backwards. Like his head is just thrown over his shoulders. He's so ecstatic. He knows Shigaraki's awake. He sees that destruction. He doesn't care that he it. might die. As no, a doesn't care. He doesn't like care. it's what he wants. He, his master's will has been accomplished. And out of nowhere, Gran Torino just swoops in, saves. He saves the day a bunch. In these next few episodes, uh, I mean, he he pulls President Mike and the Doctor out of the way. Uh, Grand Torino is telling everybody, like, guys, you got to book it. We have to get out of here. And we get this scene where the evac team is kind of like, I would say it's probably maybe higher up than them, this angle, but it's basically Jaku Hospital and all these birds just evacuating from that area. And I had the thought, this would have been a really cool moment for uh, Anima, or or um, what's his Coda. actual name, Coda. If if he had had that moment, because earlier he was like hurting those pets, and I couldn't tell if he was hurting pets or if that was like his workforce to make sure everybody was cleaned out. But either way, this should have been a moment for him to have heard those birds turn around and communicate and to see the fear on his eyes of what's coming. This yeah, would have been, been such good. a cool moment. And I hate that they didn't do something more with that. I want to 
go back really quickly too before we get um before the just the decay takes over the show um yeah because Deku does make a mention that uh, the the first user or wielder of One for All hasn't interfered since dot dot dot. And he's making a reference back to the, uh, I think it's the beginning of season five, where he kind of sees the first the user and All for One um, having that interaction, uh, even where like All for One, I think this is even, does, does this come up in one of the, in like later on in this episode or the next where... They they show that scene where all for one transfers the like quirk from one guy uh, into the other one and then recruits them basically to be sympathetic to his cause. It's the next um, episode, I'm pretty sure. Is yeah. it? Well, yeah. so that's what he's alluding to here. So it's good then that it is uh, explicitly shown in the next episode. This is back um, back at the beginning of season five, back when Deku only had 20 percent control. Oh, wow. Um and so, yeah, that that was it was a very specific illusion that we get, uh, you know, shown a little bit more explicitly in a in a future episode. Yeah, man, it's cool to think about how far our guys come, you know, since especially like since the beginning, but even since just season five, he's uh, he's he's come a long way. I love that uh, Gran Torino recognizes Shigaraki's decay, but also notes its new rules or upgrades. He pieces that together really quickly. Yeah. Um, so he's he's telling everybody, don't touch anything or you're going to die. And then there's this brief blink and you'll miss it shot of a, a hero that I is either is a cat or is dressed like a cat and is not in the manga. He's only in the anime. And it brought me an immense amount of joy when I recognized that he was just <laughs> this, the dude dressed up like a cat there. <laughs> nice. So we get Ryuku comes flying in. She's able to grab a handful of these heroes. Gran Torino has present Mike and the doctor. And I think, uh, Aizawa grabs onto them like with one of his, uh, oh, what do you call it? Scarf thingies. Yeah, his capture bandages, he whips onto one of Ryukyu's legs um, is, yeah. with his capture cloth. Um, but then his, one of his legs gets grabbed onto by one of the Nomus, who I believe was already in the process of decaying. Um, and then as the capture cloth begins to rip, and as the Nomu begins to decay towards Aizawa, um, a shield from our boy Crust uh, severs the deadly connection. And we we look, we we get this silent shot where Aizawa yells crust in, in the Japanese word crusto, um, so it's two mouth movements. Uh, and you look back and crust is disintegrating, but he has this giant All Might smile on his face and a thumbs up. And it was just such a freaking epic hero moment from somebody I feel like we just met a couple episodes ago and otherwise might not have cared too much about. Um, but he saves Beizawa. So he's he's like... I feel, uh, you know, a, a, a kinship and an appreciation for Crush uh, somewhere along the lines of how I feel towards Compass Kid. Yeah, I can understand that. I think it moved me enough that I posted in the Discord about it. That ought to tell you something. <laughs> yeah, if you posted <laughs> in the Discord at all. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was a hard moment because uh, we didn't know Crush long, but man, I liked him a lot. Um, so... But yeah, we uh, we transition away from there to seeing basically the whole city surrounding the hospital just starting to crumble and fall in on itself. And we get a quick scene of it catching up to some of that evac team and some of the folks that were outside of the hospital. And uh, the pussycats are there. They try to stop it. I can't remember her name. Is it Belle? Honey Belle? It's something. something. I feel like Belle's in the name. I could be totally wrong. The one that has the ground manipulation quirk is Pixie Bob. Pixie Bob. I don't know where I got Bell. Regardless, <laughs> Pixie Bob tries to stop it, uh, but it's like this wave. It's like a massive wave of destruction. Think like almost tsunami level. And uh, it's just absolutely tearing apart everything. And Gran Torino has this this outward like thought of, 
you know, we, we did all that we could to be ready for this, but we were completely destroyed. And the doctor is mocking them. And he's like, all your preparation will collapse in one stroke with his awakening. And he just says, we win. And, and I mean, it's, yeah. the way he says it is just so like, oh, my God, he really thinks that they've got this in the bag. Like, he is not worried. He doesn't even care if he dies. With Shiggy out, the, he, his plans are will be completed. Yep. Yeah, he, this is, this is, Shigaraki is the nail in the hero world coffin. Yeah. Um, we get a cool shot of various students at 1A reacting to and trying to process what they're seeing. But finally, everybody is told to run and Deku does so, but he does so towards the danger. Uh, using one for all full cowling at 45%, he does a St. Louis smash Air Force to slow or try to stop the advance, thinking that it's a shockwave of some kind, but it isn't. Um, and when Sue says everything is turning to dust, Deku recalls the mall scene uh, with Shigaraki, where Shigi had uh, four of the five of his fingers on Deku's throat and basically was like, if I put this fifth finger down, you'll start turning into dust and you'll be dust in less than a minute. So he realizes who's behind uh, this not shockwave, uh, the decay here. Um, Todoroki tries a heaven-piercing ice wall. It too fails. All this time, Burnin is trying to get a response from someone on the front lines. Oh, I mean, begging they, they can't, for a response. Yeah, cannot raise uh, a, a response from anybody. She's cycling through hero names up there. Uh, we get some cool scenes where, like, Bakugo scooping up civilians, including the sweet old lady. I think he even has one in he his has mouth. One his teeth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deco's um, got a whole busload of people. Did you catch that? Yes. So, and I liked that because it, it almost is like a little bit of a comparison, maybe, maybe not intentionally, but I, when I saw that, I thought back to him when he had to clear the beach, he was like pushing or trying to pull a truck at one point with All Might sitting in it. Yeah. And so now with Black Whip, he's just effortlessly hauling a bus that is full of people through the, uh, like away from this decay at, at high speed. So Chaco's doing the same. She's, she even uses her fancy, uh, her, her fancy, her fancy lasso thingy, the little upgrade to her, uh, uh, her bracers. Um, Toads has a civian toe on his ice sly. Uh, Sue has got a child wrapped up in her tongue, which is always and only ever going to be gross to me. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but then HQ realize like they lose everything. They lose. Yeah, TVs are going out, like static on the mics. They're just freaking out. Um, Shiggy is in his new cape on a lone pillar of untouched land in the crater that used to be Jakku. Um, and the first thing he checks on is some quirk erasing bullets. He had the doctor reverse engineer. Most of them have been destroyed. Um, overhaul saying he's going to use them to overthrow the status quo comes up. Um, and, but then he gets this flash in his mind, um, saying I, I, and then this other flash, it's really well animated. It's like bright lights and very jarring visually. Um, and you think like he, migraine pains, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, it, that, that's about all we get of it right there at that particular time. But that's where I was like, dang it, Adam, Adam was right. <laughs> uh, maybe, um, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. That would be crazy. I, I, I would be stoked if that happened. Yeah. How does uh, this but, next scene happen? He finds a cell phone. Yeah, a cell phone or like a a radio control of some kind. I don't know. It's a it's a it's a multifunctional device because he manages to communicate not on a cell phone to Machia, but through an AM FM radio to Machia. Um, that little radio that he's been sitting there staring at. Well, I'm sure um, there's an app is, for that. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, probably. Um, <laughs> but he does. He says, come, Machia, let's start uh, together with everyone right now. From here, I will destroy everything. And that's the end of that episode. It was so oh, man, freaking great way to end that episode. Cause, Seriously. Yeah. Uh, so Cause good. We, we really don't know much about Giganto Machia at all, other than he respects incredibly powerful people, is incredibly powerful himself and feared by many. But I mean, other than that, like, what do we know about him? That he only that he's very much like the Nomu in that he doesn't move unless he's told to. And he yeah. and and it's not just from anybody. It's like uh, Redestro couldn't have got Maki on his feet. It was Shigaraki only. Yeah, um, man. I'm excited and, to see Giganto Maki in action. Yeah, me too. And like also because we have at least one hero that is... Pr- probably close to his size running around outside like uh, Mount Lady's there. I don't remember seeing any other heroes that had gigantification, um, but it would be, Mount- I bet that that's a fight that's coming. Like I would say a hundred percent. Machia is like Mount Lady. Way bigger than Giganto Machia though, isn't she? I mean, she's like two stories tall. He's, he's yeah, just big. like, like I peg him at like maybe 10 feet or 11 feet. Oh, he's, he's is bigger, he bigger than, that. than that. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I also feel like Mount Lady's powers are weird because, like, yes, she gets big and yes, she does get strong, but like, he is insanely strong. I feel like he's going to pick her up by the big toe and fling her halfway across the country. Like, well, I didn't say that she was going to win this fight. (laughs) I'm just telling you that the two big things on the battlefield are definitely (laughs) going to, uh, (laughs) they're definitely going to end up fighting at some point. (laughs) It would be cool to see Cementos try and put him in like a cement coffin and it just totally backfires somehow. Oh, but he's he is definitely he's going to be the giant juggernaut, right? Yeah, he's got to be. Uh, yeah, yeah. God, do so you think he's going to like run through that building screaming, "I'm Giganto Machia, bitch"? <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. I we I know that we don't see much of him in the next episode, which is a bummer. It but, is a bummer, yes, because um, the next episode is one nineteen, and it is named Encounter Part Two. Part two. Do you know why it's called part two, Adam? I'm guessing that uh, he's talking about, uh, or it's referencing the first encounter with Shigaraki and Deku, right? Is that the title of that episode? Yes, I think so. The one um, where the, we, the that was referenced. Episode. Yeah, the mall episode. Yep, that's the one. I was thinking it either had to have been that, because I didn't go look it up, uh, or it had to have been uh, when he was having all those flashbacks from the first wielder of One for All, because they've in, he's encountered him now twice as well. So it's kind of like, eh, it's either Shiggy or that guy. And I also <laughs> feel like the way they draw the first wielder is very similar looking to Shigaraki anyways. Um, it, is a, I, it is a bit. I don't know if that's a coincidence or if that is uh, all for one having shaped Shigaraki to look like his little brother. That's kind of what I'm starting to think. Hmm. We do see, I mean, Shiki's hair is a different color now. Yeah. Yeah. Than it used to be. And it, it yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, did, did all for one do that on purpose is kind of a like weird, like, I know I'm going to groom you to be the little brother I wanted him to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we start 119 off with uh, HQ, not can't get in touch with anybody. The cloud dust or the dust cloud rather kicked up by the decay has made it difficult to surveil anything. And this is when I noticed something that uh, I think it's been consistently true, but it just really stood out to me in this episode. And that is that everybody in HQ is drawn without eyes. Oh yeah. I mean, they're just talking heads. They're like nobodies. We've not been introduced to them. They're really irrelevant and we have no tie or connection to them. They're, they're there as a gambit to switch between locations for storytelling. Like, are they even in the manga? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, because it's not All needed. I'm saying, though, is 
if I'm wanting somebody to surveil, I want people with eyeballs. Okay, I see what you're saying. <laughs> like, I get that it's a, uh, you know, an animation saving thing, but I don't. I was just like, what? And like, the only person that looks like they had eyes was somebody who had glasses on, but it was just that he had glasses, and like not the... just a blank slate where yeah. their eyes should be. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if they're trying, like, are they doing that so you pretend you're an HQ? Isn't that like a method of art? Like they draw the blank face so that way you're supposed to envision yourself on that character or something? I don't know. I just, <laughs> I don't know why. I'm sure it's been like that in multiple episodes. Oh, it has been. I was just like, why don't any of them have eyes? <laughs> yeah. Just stuck out to me. Um, but we hit rewind, uh, go back a couple minutes earlier to Fat Gun running to help Tokoyami. Uh, getting pop in his ice, Mount Lady flying, yada yada, all that stuff. Um, uh, Tori, uh, Tokoyami Radier is already back with Hawks in his arms, and he uh, is ordered to take him towards the rear where uh, there is first aid. And in the Japanese, even he says Roger, and he says it just like that. I was like, that feels very American. Yeah, but does apparently... he say Roger in the English version or the the uh, dub in the Japanese? Yeah, yeah, Roger. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. I thought, I thought it was weird. weird too. Okay, okay, cool. I'm glad I'm um, the only one. We catch up with the equipped hero, Yore Musha, I think, uh, who's the guy that looks kind of like Samurai Kamui Wood is in there, and he's doing more lacquer chain prisons, so apparently he can make them and then break free of them and do it again. Um, we do get maybe my favorite shot facetiously of these two episodes, where we get this wide shot where there's of like the battlefield just inside the building where there's all these heroes and villains fighting. And so it's hard to keep track of anything that's going on. But if you look kind of towards the top left um, during that particular scene, you'll see where there's one hero or possibly villain that has, you know, whatever their opponent is just being spun around in a circle by their feet. And it is 100 <laughs> percent worth revisiting if you missed it because it stands that. out. It is hilarious. It made me laugh. I watched it like four or five times. Um, Cement Toss gets knocked over by Gettin's ice, but promises to bring the wall down. Uh, and as he sets about that work, Gettin tries to bring it down on top of everybody else from above, because um, he will not be outdone. But Mount Lady intercepts by throwing this big boulder. She is not happy with him because yeah. her, her fall hurts. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. And then we get this freaking sweet combo where Cementos makes a giant stone club and Mount Lady just starts bashing the wall to pieces. And it was dope. It was. And like, I don't think I had ever thought of that being a combo. And it was the coolest thing in this episode. Yeah. Well, I say that there are a lot of really cool moments in this episode, actually, that like this episode is full of just those like shocking, badass moments. We catch up with a group of fleeing heroes, um, one of whom has just has a pistol for a face. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I saw that. Uh, that was fun. Um, another gets recognized as the hero who captured Compress and Toga. Um, and with her cover blown, Toga just starts stabbing. And it's really well illustrated both in the manga and in the anime. Yeah, she's just killing a bunch of low-level heroes, just trying to take back whatever she can from them. I think she really she feels like... pissed. Yeah, like they just stole twice from her. And we kind of get some of that info because we, we switch the cameras up to Compress, who's like watching everything. And Dobby comes down and he's just like, hey, sup? <laughs> like he's so calm he's about always it. so casual i know and and uh it's funny because compress is like what are you doing aren't you a lieutenant and dobby's like well yeah so are you <laughs> and that cracked <laughs> me up uh but he's going on about how toga's down in the battlefield and he can't believe that she's just in the mix of it all and you know he's basically saying like look she's down there because of twice like she has just lost her cool and you know dobby basically is like hey look this whole military thing it's just not working out uh you know i fully expect for them to totally branch away from this like after dobby Bobby saying that he doesn't care about any of these folks. 
I'm almost more interested to see what what happens to him and where he takes his motives because it doesn't seem like he's going to stick around with these people. Um, but regardless, you know, we've got Toga who uh, kills those uh, heroes, jumps up to Compress and Davi, and we kind of see a scene of her, I guess, quirk melting away, uh, and she's just remembering twice and like their relationship and and just really how sad like all of that whole thing was and how hard it is to live in this world basically and then out of nowhere gigantomachia just burst through the floor and everyone is like oh dang and that was another like super cool shot um another one being back you had mentioned it briefly where uh mount lady is kind of fighting in the background where we see dobby and tokoyami yeah um this scene where toga and the way that they draw her anger, her emotion is all in her eyeballs in this scene and she is furious. And then you just see this massive hand shoot up uh, behind her uh, and kind of frame her. And it looks so stinking good. The animation in this season has been excellent, 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 excellent. Um, But uh, his movement, Smakia's lets the villains know that Shiggy is awake. That's kind of like now everybody knows. Um, we get a quick check in with uh, with Shiggy, uh, where he gets another one of the headache things, um, and it's one for all. Uh, it's the the voice inside of him is saying one for all, and it shows Midoriya backlit by a bunch of sparkles, which I thought was a very interesting <laughs> picture to have at this particular moment. But uh, Shiggy doesn't yet understand what's going on; doesn't get much time to consider it, since the number one hero endeavor is currently falling out of the sky upon him <laughs> with another hell curtain, which is. Uh, uh, has the automatopoeia whoosh like comically drawn on the screen. And I really, really enjoyed that particular uh, uh, visual choice as well. I did too. The This fight scene with Endeavor and Shigaraki was so dang well animated. Like, oh my gosh, was it good? I have to ask you though. So when Shigaraki has like one of his uh, migraine pains like hit him and he starts to hear that voice, this time I did not interpret that as all for one talking to him like at the end of last episode he was saying i i like i could have sworn that was all for one in this it didn't sound like that to me and it makes me think that it may be uh like all for one's powers seeking out one for all like what if that's his quirk in shigaraki's brain telling him like you have to go get all for all for one or sorry one for all like that's like it's compelling him almost uh so like it's not necessarily you know all for one in this instance talking to him as much as it could just be that quirk compelling him to go and get uh one for all it's something something about that seemed so interesting to me that he's like dialed in on that at that layer if that makes sense i i think that it's all for what so sugar so shiggy spends some time trying to figure out why he's unsatisfied i think it's something that he says some point in this episode i've got these powers and i seem to already know how to wield them i'm super powerful i think he even calls himself omnipotent at one point yeah but he says but i'm still not satisfied and he can't figure out why um but the answer to that is because he does not yet have uh one for all Right. And that's like Um, the doctor even says that's the one quirk that didn't go the way he wanted it to. Yeah. Which is that's a lie. Right. Because doesn't doesn't the doctor say to present Mike in an episode prior that they weren't actually after uh, Shirakumo. They wanted Eraser. So there was at least two quirks that didn't go the way that they wanted. So I thought that that was weirdly worded. I mean, I kind of understood what they were saying um, because they might not have even been talking explicitly about. Um, they might not be talking about acquisition. They might be talking about, okay, uh, the the 
person who is given one for all, we wanted something specific from them. That's uh, and and yeah. then that's what we didn't get, you know. I totally didn't even think about that. You're right. Like, that is a lie. <laughs> they, they had to have had at least two. That's funny. <laughs> well, they had to have two if it's if if it's about that's the one quirk we didn't get. That would be a lie because sure. they they said that. But if it's this is the quirk that didn't that didn't evolve or uh, the narrative around this quirk didn't break the way that we wanted it to, then that makes some sense. And I think that that is true um, on its own. I think the way I am interpreting it a little bit is that it's the one quirk that kind of got away. From the sense of like, like all for one lost it. I don't think he knew who had it for a long time. And then all of a sudden, All Might had it and it was a big deal. But when he fought All Might, he didn't have it. So he, he I don't know that All for One knows who currently has that quirk, right? Mm. That, yeah, that could be. Um, I mean, I, mean right. I think Shiggy knows now. Uh, yeah, sh- yeah, that's what I was about yeah. to say. Well, let's 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 hop into that. So, you know, Endeavor, like you said, is falling down from the sky, which is what an absolutely terrifying thing to be below. I don't care who you absolutely. are. Absolutely. Yeah, as he's attacking full force from the get go, like he's just not holding uh, at all. And uh, Shigaraki's immediately regenerating from the burns. Like Endeavor makes the mention of no normal person could move in this temperature. They have to have some kind of heat resistance. He sees that skin melting off and immediately regenerating. It is like, oh crap. Shigaraki comes out of nowhere, putting up this massive fight. He almost grabs uh, Endeavor, but he kind of like flips himself around on top of Shigaraki in the air, which is pretty incredible maneuvering, and then slams him down into the ground. Phones home to the team is like, hey, I'm alive. I'm fighting Shigaraki. That's all you need to know right now. <laughs> he says, anybody that can get out here without touching ground, get out here. Like, I need backup. So Endeavor's trying to fight Shigaraki and not let himself get touched. And I, I mean, that is like a whole additional layer of thinking when you're mid-fight. Uh, because anything that Shigaraki touches, and it could be touching him, it could get him killed. Like, it's just, uh, geez, so much. Yeah, he's very uh, spatially aware, Endeavor is. That's a much more concise way of saying it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's great, then, that that sweet midair spin that he does to get back behind Shigaraki is super dope. It's like a barrel roll, Uh, yeah. Yeah, and he, like, uh, knocks Shigaraki into his little island, uh, keeping the fire on him while he reports in. But then in the middle of that, um, you know, he's, he's calling for anybody that can fight in flight, to start forming a perimeter so that he doesn't manage to slip through their fingers. Um, but then Shigaraki goes for another grab. Endeavor arrests his wrists, but then gets absolutely blasted. Um, and this explosion is so powerful, it extinguishes all of the flames on the scene, including the ones on Endeavor's body yeah. for a short period of time. Um, this is where Shiggy says, the powers I got, it's like I've had them forever, like omnipotence. And he's like, but why am I not satisfied um he does retrieve uh, a couple of the quirk erasing bullets um and then his decorative hands um and then as if in answer you get one for all um being spoken to him again and and garaki saying uh, you know this is the only one that didn't go the way that he wanted which again i think lends itself to the theory that they're not talking about acquisition which would be um made incorrect with uh, what they had said earlier about erasure but shigi says something inside of me is urging me on um and i do feel like that that i it it, it lends a lot of credence to your theory that all for one is um controlling is, the scenes yeah inside of him somehow 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 yeah, yeah absolutely and i'm convinced it's got to do something to, with kurogiri's quirk but we'll find out i'm sure 
I'm probably going to be proven wrong in the best way possible. I love this next scene, though, because uh, Shigaraki actually says out loud, like, oh, uh, you know, one for all. And Endeavor's like, one for all? What the hell do you mean, one for all? Like, that's not good. Why would you say that? Like, you can see these yeah. gears turning, you know? And then Yeah, he gets flustered. <laughs> yeah. We don't see uh, Endeavor get flustered very easily. No. He's like, one for all? Yeah, like, what? it just what? really triggered all? him, and it cracked me up. But then Burns says it, because she's like, what do you mean, one for all? And then in the background, Deku hears that, and he just makes his face like, F. Like, something <laughs> bad is about to happen. It, it's it, This whole, like, four or five panels are just amazing for the subtleties in the way that their faces were drawn. Yeah. I will draw a little bit of an issue with the way that the, the, the way that the heroes use their comms seems a little inconsistent. It's aggressive. Where it's like at, at times they have to like touch something near their ear in order to communicate. And then other times they just, they don't, it just happens passively. But um, it's like in the new X-Men movies uh, where Xavier has to touch his forehead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there are times even past this where they are using, um, you know, touching their ears. But here, when when Endeavor says it, he's not touching his ears at all. But Burnin hears it, and she's touching her ear. And Deku, I think, is in the background. Well, he doesn't have to be touching his ear because he overheard Burnin say it out loud. Right. But then later on, when him and Bakugo are jumping around and and he's talking to Endeavor, he's got his hand on his ear. So it's just like inconsistently I assumed drawn a bit. it was the difference between channels because there's time. There's a time later where Deku talks to Endeavor, and he's like, "Hey, sorry to use the private channel." My assumption would be the private channel is always open, uh, whereas the other public channels or maybe the channel with more people, you have to hit like a button to flip over to it hmm. or just hold that a button. You know, it could be like, I'm going to say bi-directional. That's not the word I want to use, but like the button could be what switches it over to that other comm channel somehow. I don't know. I'm making excuses. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, getting back into our feels a little bit here, we get a quick check-in with Ragdoll. Um, oh, at yeah. the, I, I will admit, the wonderfully thematic Wild Wild Pussycats headquarters, because holy crap, it's it awesome. is a giant cat, and they all have little cat chairs, and it's the cutest thing of all time. It's, um, it's, it's... But it's sad because she's sitting in her chair, and the other three chairs are all empty um, because the rest of that team are on site at the hospital. And she says, if I still had search, I could help the others. Um, and then we get a quick reminder from present Mike, if we needed it, that um, search was the quirk that would tell you the location and weakness of anyone that you look at. Um, and uh, all for one took it from Ragdoll during the uh, incident at Camino. And so now Shiggy's got that and he puts it to good use. Yeah, and it's kind of weird here. There's some stuff I want to get into because we see all of this and then we see Shigaraki looking out into the distance and he seems to see uh, one for all. And it's like he sees a bunch of dots, almost like on a heads up display of some kind. And one mm -hmm. of them is like brighter than the rest. And so uh, we switch back over to the evac team. Burn is telling everybody like, hey, I'm going to go help Endeavor. You've got to stay here. And then Shigaraki is is standing there, I would assume, holding off Endeavor. I'm pretty sure is what he's doing there. And he's looking at, at that bright light. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's one for all. I'm going to go get it. And he just darts right off. And it's really cool. It reminded me of... Uh, the Superman movie with uh, Henry Cavill, where it's not like he jumps into the air and starts flying. It's like he flung himself forward. It's yeah. such a cool scene. Uh, and I don't know. And we learned that he did that entirely by his own strength. Yeah. A little bit later on. Yeah. We learned that later on, which is nuts. Uh, but Endeavor goes after him and he tells the team exactly where he's headed. And Deku realizes pretty quickly. He's like looking around and he sees these people evacuating. He's trying to figure out why Shigaraki would be headed his way. He heard the words, you know, all for one or sorry, one for all. Uh, so he's he's 
kind of got this inclination, like, Shigaraki must know where I am. And so he starts to take off, and Bakugo immediately follows him. And as they're moving away, he is when he, like, uh, messages Endeavor, basically, on that private channel. And it's just like, hey, I need you to know that I am running. I also need you to let me know if, for any reason, Shigaraki changes directions, because that is huge. And I think Endeavor is just like, why? what is going on here? Like, why would Midoriya hit me up out of nowhere in the middle of this fight? Why would he be moving? Why does he have Shigaraki's attention? And it's so funny to me that he's not putting two and two together with one for all. And I'm surprised he didn't know. Like, that seems like something he should have been aware of. Yeah, I think we talked briefly about that when they were when uh, doing that uh, training period. Yeah, during the uh, yeah the internship stuff. It's important to note too that Bakugo is following Midoriya because and he because he because he knows right. He's put he's connected the dots. So he t- he says if you tell people your secret here, then the heroes are going to split their forces and try to protect you. Um, so he's like, your only choice now is to move. Uh, and there's a silly little scene where like Todoroki's like. Uh, where are you guys going? And Midori is just like, oh, we forgot something. And they they blast off. Um, so Midori is piecing it together that he doesn't think he can be seen with with by Shigaraki's eyes. So he's thinking that he must have some other way of finding him. That's when he puts the the uh, he's chasing me theory to uh, to Endeavor. And we learn that um, Shigaraki says something like there's some data left over from the previous user that is working to his benefit here, which is Ragdoll. So what he's mm-hmm. saying is Ragdoll those those lights that we saw they weren't equal to the number of heroes on the scene they would have been equal i and i meant to go back and double check but i w- didn't want to be that that nitpicky about it but i would be i would not be surprised to find that the number of the little bright lights that he saw was equal to the number of students from 1a that they were at oh that's exactly um, what he's saying yeah that yeah. they saw because he basically um, says like Camino. Oh, I'm really lucky that ra- like the previous owner of this quirk happened to have seen the person that I needed them to see right before I got it because yep. they, she saw Deku and all those crew at Genesha or, or uh, Genosha, right? No, Camino, uh, Camino. Camino. So it would have been yeah, that would have been Deku, Bakugo, uh, Ida, Todoroki. Uh, Kirishima was there. Kirishima was Todoroki there. Ida was there. Yeah, because Todoroki makes the ice sled so that way they can uh, uh, get up in the air. Remember. Oh, yeah. Momo would have been there. Mm -hmm. I think you're totally Um, right, though. Like, it wasn't that he was seeing everybody on that evacuation squad. He was just seeing the people Ragdoll had seen. Yeah. And I don't think I like that. I mean, you're telling me that, like, somehow her quirk, A, reads the names of other quirks in some kind of weird manner, but B, stored memory like that and then was in a, a vial and got put into someone else and that data followed i don't know that feels so far-fetched to me <laughs> does that yeah. you know what i mean yeah it's it was a little bit of a stretch i'll, I'll grant you that but i liked the ingenuity of it it's just yes, enough i'll give you that you know i'll give you that it is very it is a very cool idea it just felt weird like that thing's not a hard drive it's not a usb right. <laughs> i mean like i don't know that just seemed kind of funky to me but i'll roll with it it's it's neat uh but this does seem to attract shigaraki uh because the he does end up moving so yeah bakugo's like he this guy turned into a monster which is all the more reason to make sure that you don't get caught and we get this funny exchange where midoriya's like why are you following me <laughs> yeah yeah i thought that was awesome <laughs> and bakugo's like i was the only one who understood what was going on and can just follow you uh, but then he says don't think so highly of yourself and he says follow you almost like 
with indignation. Yeah. You think you're the main character now? And he says, I've got business with that scumbag. And he's being, he's still just strapped with the guilt, right? Of uh, being kidnapped and being the one who, um, I think he even says here later, is the one who was responsible for the end of All Might, right? Yeah. Um, so he's still carrying that guilt. And there's the short scene of that fight between um, him and Deku, Bakugo and Deku, um, when they snuck off to one of the little training grounds and had their had their their fisticuffs, um, and and then finally came to that knowledge and realization with all for, uh, with All Might. So it's a very uh, there was a lot of really powerful, even though they were very small emotional scenes um, in this episode. That is very very well done. But Bakugo ends this. Uh, he says, "You're the bait." I'll get a complete victory. This is this is a great chance for it. And he's thinking to himself now, and he says, damn, Deku can use full cowling normally at 30%, and in order to lessen the burden on his body, he cranks it up to 45, but at Endeavors, and with All Might's trainings, every time he's gotten stronger, I've had to hang on and try to keep up, which implies that he does feel like he's still behind. Yeah, or that he um, is following him. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh yeah, in in fact there's a shot here in just a second. So he he says at his 30% speed now I can keep up. I'll go even higher than you, the chosen one. I won't lose to you and then there's the shot of them as kids with Bakugo back out front. Um and uh he blasts which maybe there's a little bit of a wink wink nod nod that that that's uh that's what the way Bakugo wished it was, you know, with him out front. Yeah. Um but he does blast just a bit of Hidedeku, um and says that he can't quit wh- uh, while he's behind. And again, I-, I think that he knows that he is lagging behind a little bit. And it's just frustrating the hell out of him. But he's turned that into a very, very effective motivation. Yeah, well, and I think the coolest thing is here that he's realizing that like he-, he may not be at his peak, but he has a peak that is closer than Deku's. Like Midoriya right. has an ocean Ceiling. of power. You know what yeah. I mean? Like... I, I mean, how do you even begin to compare to something like that? It's it's so hard. So, yeah, I, I loved that scene. It was so good. So well done. Uh, but Shigaraki literally dead stops in the middle of them having this conversation and goes straight up in the air, turns around, and is just like, sorry, number one, I uh, hate to do this to you, but uh, I don't have time for you right now. And he does this air blast with radio waves and just, yep. I guess, wrecks Endeavor. Uh, we know that he wanted to take out the communication as well, so that's the intent with the radio waves there. Uh, but we don't see what happens. So we just know that everyone at HQ loses signal back to anyone that was left over. So at this point, they have no access to Team Endeavor. Um, but and like when when <laughs> when uh, Shigaraki said that he didn't have time for number one, I wanted that meme of like, uh, ain't nobody got time for that. But with Shigaraki's <laughs> face, you know, <laughs> I just again, it was such a it's it's amazing. He made Endeavor sound inconsequential because he is at this and he point. He made him look it too. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, it's it's nuts, dude. Like how powerful Shigaraki has gotten basically overnight is just insane. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. And then we have um, this this interesting scene where Midoriya says this feels like back then. And they kind of have this flashback to when they were just absolutely petrified as they hid behind a wall when All for One was addressing Shiggy. Um, And then suddenly Shigaraki's in front of them reaching out to Deku and they there's this visual of him and Bakugo both crumbling in the the hole. in Shigaraki has a hole in his hand. That's there. It's so creepy looking. 
Yeah, and it looks like um, it made me think of Android 19 and 20, um, the way that he was like reaching out with the little thing in the middle yeah. of like uh, stigmata almost, even though that's not what it is. But... I don't know his name, but I'm pretty sure there's a guy in Inuasha that literally has like that same thing, like a hole in his hand that's just a black hole, basically. Yeah, I think we would call that. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, that it's been 20 familiar. years since I watched anything in Inuasha, but that <laughs> right. sounds familiar. <laughs> Um, but they are snapped out of it by Gran Torino, who snags them both um, and chastises them for maybe thinking that they could handle Shigaraki on their own. Um, he updates them on Decay's upgrade, just in case they didn't know. And then we get into some fights uh, with Shigaraki and Ryukyu in Endeavor. So Ryukyu tries punching Shigaraki, which at first I was like, that seems hella dumb. But then I remembered that they have Aizawa. Yeah. Because <laughs> Shigi goes and he, he does block it with a single hand, but uh, he's he doesn't decay her because Aizawa's already got him in his uh, line of sight. And Ryuki would have known that before she took that swing. Yeah, and I didn't even think about that because like he touched her and I was like, oh crap, and then nothing happened. And Shigaraki even realizes that nothing happened because he has this shocked face, which clues him in that Aizawa's there. And I mean, he's fought Aizawa before. This is like the rematch. So, you know, yeah. this is called Encounter Part 2. It could be for that as well. That's true. That's this true. is like uh, the two towers, you know, like that's a heavily debated thing in the Tolkien fandom of like what two towers was he talking about? You know? Yeah, I, it, it is. It, it's noteworthy again to to say that while Shigaraki's quirks have been disabled, he still blocks a swing from a, from dragon. a freaking dragon. <laughs> <laughs> like the man is strong. Yeah. And even Endeavor has mentioned that too, at this point, like whenever they're fighting and uh, I think Shigaraki is able to blast out of the way. Uh, mm -hmm. He's like Endeavor has that realization of like, Oh crap, this guy is strong. Yeah. So Aizawa's on the scene. He's being held up and he says, crust your sacrifice. Let me live. I've been kept alive. My quirk, my life in order to take you down. And then there's this um, shot of the destruction that he's standing in the midst of when he was younger, where Shirakumo was killed. Then, a, you know, a, a, a brightly lit shot of him and present Mike and Shirakumo alive. And then you just get this badass Aizawa moment where he's just like, don't lay a finger on my students because he's he's come. He came onto the scene wondering what Bakugo and Midoriya were even doing there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he, uh, this is where Shigaraki's like, you're so cool, Razorhead. Um, <laughs> and it, he said that exact phrase to him at the USJ. Um, but uh, then he speaks into this little remote. He says, uh, kill all humans in sight. And we don't know who that's to quite yet, but we do get the answer to that by the end of the episode. Yeah, this actually is where Endeavor does show back up. I forgot that that happened yep. earlier. I was like, we don't, we don't know what happened to him. God, Adam. And yeah, Keto and Endeavor do a combo move. Keto's quirk apparently is called Traject, and yeah. he can change trajectories. So Endeavor blasts straight at him just for the sake of him to, for Keto to change him a 90 degree. <laughs> like, I was like, does he just turn him? Like, there's no, there's nothing else? Because well, my... otherwise he could have just flown at a, you know, in a straight line. There's that line about, you know, the closest, dis the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, but Endeavor turned it into an L. I think he did that on purpose, though, because he was trying to gain momentum. Like, that was what I was thinking he was doing, but then he doesn't headbutt him. In fact, he stops, like, right in front of him, which also doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, this reminded me of uh, New Mutants, though. What's his name? Uh, Cannonball? Yeah, yeah, Sam Guthrie. Sam Guthrie. So good. It was very, very Sam Guthrie. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool little moment there. And Aizawa is continuing to just keep Shigaraki's quirks erased. And I don't think he's erasing all of them. I mean, we've can he do that? Can he erase more than one? I thought he was 
I mean, we don't know because most people only have one, right? But well, that seems the implication when he was in the room with the high was end that he was doing was that. that yes, yeah, he was doing he was shutting them all down. So this is just straight up Shigaraki um, without access to any of his quirks, right. and this is why they make that connection of how crazy strong he is. But yeah. I will also correct you very gently, but necessarily because it's not just Aizawa who is down there. Um, Keeping keeping the quirks on lock because well, we just the number two hundred yes. and twenty second rank hero is on the scene. Manual with his little water manipulation. I'm pretty sure that he was in the underground too because I think he was on Ryukyu's back yeah. when they were evacuating. I think you're right, but there can't be a scene in my hero that is of this scale where you will not find this man. And it continues to be funny to me. He's so awesome. He's like, they're like keeping Aizawa's eyes hydrated. How, what a cool way to make yourself important in a fight like that. Yep. And he says that if he, in the manga or in the anime, he says, if I, if he overdoes his quirk, it'll, it'll sting. But in the manga, it's, if I overdo it, you'll blink and that will, cause uh shigaraki's quirks to come back on so he's very finely tuned the uh moisturizing of aizawa's eyeballs man that's it's pretty that cool. Is cool uh well we switch over and we see the doctor telling uh president mike that he's you know uh, he's talking about shigaraki here he says he's got superpowers but he's not quite as strong as all might and when he's talking to president mike president mike just has this look about him like he's just so disgusted i i love that they have consistently drawn president mike to just be full of disgust since he's been touching this human being i like too that the doctor says that they they didn't want to over engineer shigaraki's body because that would have burdened his, his brain. brain yeah and i wonder if that that line has the little bit of hope for the heroes you know that he's not this perfect thing that he did have limitations in order for them to uh you know achieve the goals which was implanting the quirks that they necessarily had to limit him in some other areas and maybe there's a glimmer of hope in that because uh specifically what they're talking about is that physical brute strength which is what uh, one for all gives in large part to Midoriya so they they're almost like saying yeah we we had to put a ceiling on this physicality of of uh Shigaraki's um, while we know that on the hero side, we have somebody who has a tremendously high ceiling for physicality due to the, uh, the opposite quirk. Yeah, that's a really good point. You think they end up bringing back, um, the little girl to like reproduce the hundred percent. Yeah. Do you think they end up bringing her into all of this to help Midoriya like stay powered up to win effectively? Like just, I'm just, I get worried. Like this whole narrative is all about, you know, the whole child soldier thing. And it just feels like in game here is for the heroes to end up doing something like that to quote unquote win. And it almost just destroying itself, you know? I don't I don't want to see that because uh, we saw either. it once yeah, already. Exactly. And and I think back then I was like, what the hell what do you do with Aerie now? Yeah. Because she's too she's so powerful. Oh, what um, if they in what she can accomplish? You had to take her off the field. What if they use her to give Shigaraki like another chance or something like de-age him? Now that I could I could see. that would be kind of a cool use of her power as like a forgiveness power. Like a hey, let's try this again, you know? <laughs> yeah, assuming he isn't killed. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. Sorry, you know, anyways. If if he, tangent yeah, there if he, <laughs> yeah if he has the opportunity for redemption um i could see them i think that that would be a good use of airy in the end would be like she can she can make you as you were when you were a kid yeah you know she can take this from you she can take possibly him from you if all for one is you know inside of the 
you know, of, of Shigaraki as we're talking Ooh, about too. Yeah, I like that. That's actually a really neat way to kind of tie that up if that's the route they end up going. Uh, yeah. Well, either way, we, we end up catching back up with Gran Torino. He's dropped the kids off a fair distance away, and uh, they're kind of shocked that they're not going further, and he explains that, well, like, communications are down. They're back there fighting uh, Shigaraki. If we get too far away without communications, we might as well just be letting this guy open in the wild because there's no way anybody's keeping up with him. He is way too fast, and uh, we don't want to just let him loose. Uh, so he pretty much tells them that he's going to go back and be Aizawa's legs because Aizawa needs to be able to keep up with Shigaraki in the in- yes, fight. Which <laughs> that picture brought me so much joy of just Aizawa riding like, like uh, straddled a- across Gran Torino's back as yeah. he's flying around the battlefield. It's, it's like reverse, uh, you know, Luke and uh, Yoda. That's like all yeah, I can think yeah, of my mind. That's exactly it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, when he said that line, I couldn't not think about it. I, uh, we need an artist to draw this up if it doesn't happen in the manga. Maybe it does. Maybe Hori has already done oh, me this absolute joy. That would be incredible. Of seeing, of seeing Aizawa ride uh, Gran Torino like a, like a, like a little <laughs> mini pony through the sky during the uh during the uh Shigaraki fight. Oh, oh my gosh, I will I, I will make a poster of that if it's a thing. <laughs> oh, I love the idea of that too. That's awesome. Uh, then we get this really interesting line that I think uh, this had to have been put there to, as as a way to make the viewers doubt. Because Gran Torino says, you know, it's only one person. If we can't take him down, then what's the point of the oversaturation of heroes? And it's like, yeah, I think that's kind of what some of these villains have been saying, dude. Like, that's exactly what their point is, right? To some extent. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like... In my in my notes, I wrote, that's exactly why you have that many heroes. Yeah. Because you know that this one dude is going to be bad news. Um, so, yeah, that, that line felt silly it did. to me. It felt really silly. And then uh, to, like, cherry on the cake to this whole situation... Earlier, we had that line from uh, Shigaraki, and we had even seen before that line that there were like these capsules underground that looked like the Nomu capsules. They lit up purple. Then he gives the line of kill everyone in sight. Now the ground starts erupting with all of these Nomus, and some of them look like they may be high end. Like some of them look more advanced than than the regular Nomus that we've been seeing. But I don't know, man. It's it's a lot. Uh, and everyone was not expecting that. So they've got a lot of a lot on their hands for this next episode. Yeah, man. It's uh I was just talking the other day about how good season six has been. Um it it just it continues it to be it's it's another one of those seasons where it's like I am desperate for the next episode because there's so much going on. Uh oh yeah. so good. Um I was talking briefly with uh with Mark on on Twitter the other day and um we had talked about how how we would think how we as fans and and as uh people that invest a lot of time in talking about my hero would have loved to have seen like two, maybe four episodes of, um, of focus. Maybe you could call it, do it as an OVA or whatever, um, of focus on the fights between the heroes and villains that we, we see happening in the background, but we don't know anything about. Oh, that would be cool. What about this cat man? Yeah. Behind the cat man, there was a dude who was just a pencil. I want to know what, what the crap is he doing there? And who did he fight? You know? Um, and, and just get, get the opportunity to see some of these heroes showcased. Um, even if, you know, the, the outcomes of those particular battles are inconsequential overall, it still would be really fun content. Um, yeah, it's, but it's a lot like, uh, did you ever read the Avengers versus X-Men series back in the day? 
a little bit of one, I think. Okay, yeah. so there's been two, I think. There was one in the 90s. There was one in like 2010-ish, I'm pretty sure. it was The second mm-hmm. one was all about the Phoenix stuff. But regardless of right. that, the coolest part about it was that like the main series, I think, was 12 issues, and they had a big storyline that was happening. But then the uh, like tie-ins to those were all just like one-on-one fights between Avengers and X-Men. And it was that exact thing you just said. And it was yeah. so dope. Like I thought it was the coolest thing. Uh, I just and then back in the day when they did it, you could actually mail in like who you wanted to win in these fights, so that you would you would know who was fighting ahead of time. Oh. That and then whoever you know mailed in the most basically won the fight, and they would draw it. And there were some really cool moments in those older older comics. That does sound cool, but yeah, we we were like if they if they did this, it would be for the hardcore fans, and the most casual folks wouldn't care about it. And I was like, for capitalist uh, like for capitalistic financial reasons, they're never going to do that. Um, but anyway, it still would have been, been dope. Super it was cool. a fun idea. If we, anything, we, we talked at length about it. If anything, they could make that its own series. <laughs> like, I would watch that to, or, or read that. Yeah. Like, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get into Corkles. Yeah, we um, have a few October week, right? has come and gone. Um, so I had one submission from the Discord from Tomek. Uh, his, he selected words again from the October pool of words. And you can too, listeners, because... Um, by the time we get to the next recording, we will still not have cleared November entirely. So, uh, and we leave a link to Screen Rant's uh, long list of all of the uh, answers or solutions to the worlds in our show notes. So, uh, drawing from the October pool of words, Tomac chose sloth or vigor. And he says that the user has the ability to steal energy from people by touching them. Kind of like rogue, I would guess. Uh, victims of the quirk lose the energy to do anything. Uh, the amount of the drain relies on prolonged exposure. Uh, he says 30 seconds per person, but power can be cranked up to shorten that time. Uh, then the user receives this energy, enabling them to move and hit according to the energy leached off of their target. So it's kind of like a transfer. Okay. Uh, constant use of this quirk, however, works like sleep deprivation. The quirk is a temporary measure and disrupts the body's normal process of converting energy. Uh, the physical element of this quirk is that the user has five glands in his hands, feet, and one in his throat that are akin to organic batteries in need of a recharge. Uh, these are connected via a secondary kind of nervous system to the skin of the user's palms, which have small rows of prehensile spikes. And also, if the target has more energy than a normal person, the drain would take longer. And uh, then he says, think draining a normal person versus uh, draining all might. Um, so, man, he puts so that's much thought into thought. these. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> Can you imagine? I wonder how that quirk would work for like uh, people that binge like caffeine drinks like heavily caffeinated drinks or or like someone that does heroin you know like what if you just accidentally siphon the wrong person <laughs> yeah Jeez. Well, you gotta be careful yeah gotta, gotta be, be careful um i thought that it was hilarious that the word quirk was literally on the the word list from wild. october yeah <laughs> and then um yeah I, th- I think i've made this joke before on the podcast where we see something happen in the uh in the show or in the mangas for vigilantes, and it's meant to be like, uh, uh, like the product of a quirk. And I was like, man, I I got that quirk, you know, yeah. um, like that one time where the t- two guys were uh, trying to shake up the ramen shop, and they just threw chairs, and I was like, hell, I got that quirk. <laughs> um, there's a <laughs> the word exist was on uh, the the word list as well, and I thought that if I was one of the twenty percent. Like as a kid, you know, you'd be so desperate to have a quirk that you would just be like, "Oh yeah, I've got a quirk. It's, it's exists it's because and it, I, uh, I exist. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm one of you totally. Oh, man, that's awesome. Um, that'd have been funny. Uh, but the one that I uh, whipped up real quick was uh, built around the word grove. Uh, grove being uh, usually a small space that is uh, populated by some trees. And this person, um, 
can actually uh, kind of generate their own uh, their own little grove or shade. Um, so they can. I was thinking like they would be a a big hit in the desert. It'd be like a traveling oasis, or I don't know if it would be mobile. Um, but he he could generate. You know, I don't know. Probably following some rules, kind of like Momo, um, uh, a, a short uh, vegetated area um, that will afford some shade, um, a little bit of respite from heat, uh, possibly even uh, some water and or uh, something that could be edible. So it'd be an interesting uh, little quirk. He'd be uh, he'd had one hell of a green thumb. Yeah, right? yeah. Did you uh, come up with one? I did. I came up with two actually. Um, so oh. my first one, overachiever. Yeah, I know. They're easy. Don't get too excited. <laughs> My first one is also sloth. I did not go the route um, that Tomok did, uh, but in my mind, this poor person would just be kind of sloth-like, like have very, you know, be very hairy and have like the combined hands and feet and just take a very long time to do everything. It's just one of those, uh, like, what I feel like there was a term for it. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but like the physical attributes of the quirk, and that's all it is. So, so he'd be like the chick from, is it Monsters, Inc. or Zootopia, where there just is a sloth and they're like working a desk I think, Yeah, or something I think it was like Zootopia. That? Yeah, yeah. Like that, but a more human, like more human sloth mixture. So I was thinking gotcha. like human face, but then like the sloth hands and the sloth feet. Maybe like... Has long fingernails, yeah. uh, algae growing in, in and amongst its hair. Yeah. Uh, so then the other one is Spiel, or S-P-I-E-L, Spiel. Uh, a longer fast speech or story, typically one intended as a means of persuasion or as an excuse, but regarded with skepticism or contempt by those who hear it. This quirk would allow the user to basically convince someone to do something by looking into their eyes and telling them what to do, as long as it's something that that person would actually do. So that kind of to buy into that like skepticism or contempt, you couldn't tell someone that wouldn't murder somebody to go and do that. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, that's a good restriction because otherwise it sounds a little bit like, um, I mean, a little bit like Shinzo's. Yeah, but it's not to to me. I I really wanted that idea of it had to be within the realms of possibility for that person. Like if they wouldn't yeah. just naturally do that, or if it's not something that they couldn't eventually do then by no no means would that follow through. But as long as you keep eye contact and it's something that that person could be convinced to do, by all means, it, it flies. I, I thought that would be kind of a neat uh, potential villain or hero. Like, you could go either way with it, really. Yeah, I like that. Quirkos are fun, man. I wish more people... Uh, I need to spend more time on mine. I need to I need to come pack in a two-paragraph thing like Tomac <laughs> does. I'm being outdone by uh, on my own concept. Uh, by folks in our Discord, which is great. I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying I'm jealous. I'm just. I feel. I feel like I'm not. I'm not uh, doing enough relative to what you guys are doing. So you're making me step up my quirkle game. Yeah. The uh, the level of investment there is awesome. At this point, we need you to like draw up a sketch, like a full design. I want 360 <laughs> yeah. degrees. Uh, we should send it to Horikoshi and just be like, listen, we have this podcast. We come up with quirks. Here's a submission. We'll get you. We'll get you in, my <laughs> hero. It's <laughs> great. All right, I think that's going to wrap us for 118 and 119. I think so. We went a little long. Hopefully, uh, everybody enjoyed that. Uh, but otherwise, have a great couple of weeks. We will see you. I don't think that the show is going on break anytime soon, so it should be two weeks. Not yet, but relative to that, and something that I forgot to mention at the top of the episode, if you are unaware, um, we do have another podcast called Kyo Cinema that it has been on a, a long break um, for several factors. Um, and now that the sixth uh, season of My Hero is being animated. We've decided to keep it on pause. 
um, until one of the two things happens. Either uh, we get a kind of a mid-season break, which is not atypical, um, at which point we will uh, resume some content for Kyo Cinema, or uh, we may have to wait until the end of season six, and then we will resume Kyo Cinema. I know that there are at least two people, uh, me being one of them, Tomac being the other, uh, that listened to uh, uh, Kyo Cinema. But uh, it was it's more of a fun project for Adam and I, and we, we do miss it, uh, and we, we will be returning to it, even though our return brings us that much closer uh, to Dragon Ball Evolution. We're only like th three movies out. It's like Path to Power, uh, whatever the GT movie is, and then uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. I don't know how, how close to that you you realized or not that we were Adam, but it's, I, it's real close. Bro. I didn't, but you know, I'm not as concerned about it. Like I have only watched that movie once and I don't remember much about it other than thinking the guy that they cast as Goku looks like Ray William Johnson. who used to be a YouTuber. I don't know if you remember that guy or not. I think he, he had one no. called equals three. I'm sure someone out there that listens has, has to have remembered this guy, but like in my mind, he played Goku and I know that's not right. So it creates a really <laughs> funny image in my brain. Well, we will. All that said, be back in two weeks covering uh, episodes 120 and 121 of My Hero Academia. So please do stay tuned. Leave us a, uh, a rating on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod. There is a pinned tweet huh, that has a link. Got it right this time to the Discord where we're always talking. Uh, so please do join us in those spaces uh, and uh, we and just enjoy the company and, and, and the the blessing that is a shared uh, a shared fandom. Yeah, we would love to have you there. Anyways, we'll see you in two weeks. Have a good one. See you guys. recording and it <clears throat> waves seem to be populating yep waves look good me over here too man let me close some stuff out holy crap why do i have so much junk open right now uh i guess i gotta keep skype open nah just okay. do it without me <laughs> it's been done before <laughs> <laughs> i hope you were recording because that might go on the end of the episode now <laughs> it is it is right i am recording just put me put me back in the uh the the barn out back and record. the dog house yep yeah. just put record this episode on your own pal <laughs> i got i got this mark and i are practically on first name basis now yes, so. that's what i've heard <laughs> i hear he's replacing me on kc no, he's not replacing. He's he's gonna. He was excited to be an extra voice. So we still got to get Casey in to do one of those too. Yeah, so. he wants to. He brought it up the other day. So yeah, we, there's there's room for all at the Casey table. There is.